0: The year is 1930, and an 18-year-old named Beatrice might just be sitting at the kitchen table in her family's Washington, D.C. home. She's flipping through Good Housekeeping magazine, and what she's seeing is page after page of advertisements to women. We're getting olive oil soap to keep the skin baby smooth. We have deodorant. We've got makeup and toothpaste and anything else that will keep a woman looking and smelling ladylike. But most risky of all, we've got Kotex, the OG disposable sanitary pad. Now Beatrice is a junior in high school at this point, and she's been seeing pad advertisements since before she hit puberty. And these companies are talking a big game. Like, listen to this copy from a Kotex ad. Hazards, risks, embarrassment, even humiliation, endangered health. How many difficulties are spared the modern woman since Kotex was invented? For Kotex represents a triumph of sanitation. Represents that immaculate protection which is every woman's right. Every woman's great need, doctors insist. But anyone who's making, marketing, or wearing pads knows they're far from perfect. Even now. But these ones in the 1930 magazine? Brutal trust me. First of all, the pads themselves are thick and rigid, not really moving with the body at all. But also, instead of being a sort of stick-on temporary addition to your underwear, pads are attached to an elastic belt you wear under your clothes. Picture a chastity belt, but white, stretchy, and minimal. Can you imagine how horrible your first period would have been with one of those? The sanitary belt also had two elastic tabs that hang down, one in the front and one in the back. And the pads themselves are actually pinned with safety pins. Safety pins, people, to those hanging elastic pieces. Kind of like a less bulky but very ugly diaper. Ew. Presumably, Beatrice is using and struggling with this contraption herself. But she's not just any teenage girl. She's a prolific creator with a true inventor's mind for solving problems. And she's been turning this problem over in her mind for a while. Because before she's even out of high school, she draws up designs for a sanitary belt that uses adhesives instead of safety pins. A belt that could get us that much closer to the stick-on pads we have now. Beatrice knows this creation is destined to make it big. And she's not wrong, her creation is legit. It gets the attention of some really big names, like Johnson & Johnson and a Pads-focused company from New York called Pack. Some representatives of the Pack company are so interested in her sanitary belt that they even make an appointment to visit her family home in DC one Sunday. These reps are coming down from New York City with paperwork so that Beatrice can sign over the rights to manufacture her invention on the spot. I mean, can you imagine an 18-year-old girl in 1930 getting ready to sign a big contract for something she came up with? Her creation is about to become available to women all over the country. And the contract could mean a guaranteed share in what would become a multi-billion dollar industry. Beatrice and her family are so excited they even skip church that Sunday.
1: It seemed to be a nice thing to have happened to her because here was a company who was interested in her invention. And when it came to meeting face-to-face, then that's when tables returned.
0: Coming up, Beatrice opens the door. And what happens next begins her long fight to make life better for people with periods and to get the credit and compensation she deserved. From something else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is They Did That, a different kind of history show. I'm Takara Small. And today we're talking about Beatrice Davidson Kenner, who revolutionized period pads. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Anyone who knew Beatrice probably knew how focused she could be on her inventions.
1: She was very, very determined to succeed. She just had a confidence in herself, which is wonderful.
0: This is Dr. Patricia Slooby, the author of The Inventive Spirit of African Americans. Dr. Slooby has done a lot of research on African American inventors, including Beatrice. And she even knew Beatrice personally. They became friends as adults, at church. And of course, they started talking about inventions and patents. Now, patents are at the heart of invention and innovation. They're the legal documents that give inventors the exclusive rights to use and sell their inventions. Dr. Slooby used to work for the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So, of course, Beatrice was excited to have a friend who'd be game to talk about all her latest creations.
1: She would have these ideas and uh, will call me up over the phone and say, Pat, I have this idea. She said, oh, you got to help me.
0: Their relationship quickly went beyond professional patent conversation into real friendship.
1: She was a very loving person. She was a very generous person. She always wanted to have company, come see her, come visit her all the time.
0: Beatrice loved to cook, and she would always throw these big dinner parties at her house.
1: And she'd have this wonderful Thanksgiving dinner and great conversation. But of course, her ideas and things that she always talked about, which is the next project on her agenda. What can I do for my next invention? Through the years, she developed many, many concepts. I was just surprised how prolific she was. <laughs>
0: Beatrice was the definition of a lifelong inventor.
1: She started off as a young lady, as a young child, and came up with the concept of uh, oiling a squeaky door in her house.
0: The self-oiling door hinge Dr. Slooby's talking about was Beatrice's first ever creation, and she came up with it at just six years old. This wasn't exactly surprising behavior, though. Beatrice Kenner was born Mary Beatrice Davidson, and the Davidson family was a family of inventors. Her sister Mildred invented a board game, and her father invented a few things, including a pants presser, which is kind of an old-fashioned iron. She got
1: a patent for the pants presser. This is in 1914. Again. So she came from a creative family, and they were all supportive of her, absolutely.
0: Beatrice had gotten the inventive gene from her family. like. Of course she did, and was kind of like a superpower.
1: I ask inventors, how did you conceive this idea? Well, that's what invention is all about. That's what the creative mind is all about. They perceive the question and work out the God-given answer. That's what they do.
0: And that's what Beatrice did. She literally couldn't help it. Remember those sanitary belts that had pads in place? Well, as a teenager, Beatrice became fixated on them. They were pretty new on the market. At least, this was the first time they'd become accessible to most women. Before these belts, a lot of women were using cotton rags, or bulky, reusable diapers to absorb period blood. Now that's very cringy. These belts were an improvement on that. At least they were a little less obvious but they were also uncomfortable and downright dangerous with those safety pins. Let's just say there was a lot of room for improvement and Beatrice was determined to come up with a better version. She was going to invent the next big thing in pad technology, which would be amazing. Like, yes, please Beatrice, save us from these safety pins. But how? Well, Beatrice was a restless creative, always playing around with something new. I can just picture her, a petite black girl in D.C., tinkering with an elastic belt or sketching her design, so focused that she doesn't even hear her mom yell, Beatrice, dinner! When she was much older, in her 70s, Beatrice gave an interview about her life, and she described how she invented. At night, when I should be fast asleep... I'm laying in bed, creating. Then I'll get up, draw up the plans. The next morning, I try to make a model. Beatrice stayed up late at night working on her version of the sanitary belt. Instead of using pins, hooks, or any other sharp pointy object to attach pads to the sanitary belt, Beatrice's version used adhesives. She'd have an elastic belt going around the waist with two elastic pieces hanging down, one from the front and one from the back, like the other belts on the market. But instead of a pin keeping the pad in place, there would be a peel-off sticky tab that would connect the pad to the belt. Sound familiar? It's a lot like the sticky tabs on pads we have today. At this point, though, no one had marketed a pad that sticks instead of a pad that's pinned. To top it off, her design was also supposed to be more flexible, Because no one wants a big pad that can't really bend or fold, chafing at their inner thighs. Beatrice was confident that her creation was different and better than any of the other options in ladies' magazines. And she didn't just wait for someone to find out about it.
1: She probably certainly uh, reached out to corporations and companies who would manufacture that product for her. And that caught the eye of this particular company,
0: Remember the Sanat Pack Company? The one that sent representatives to talk with Beatrice? Based on her own retelling, they were one of two companies that were in touch with her. Johnson & Johnson had also said they were interested, but didn't try to make a deal. Sanat Pack Company, though, was all in. They were ready to sign a contract with Beatrice to manufacture her version of the sanitary belt. And remember... Beatrice was so excited for the reps to come all the way from New York City to her home in DC. She had probably been in touch with them via phone and mail, but this would be the first time they would meet in person. The Sanep guys were coming to her family home to seal the deal. In my mind, I had built, I don't know, how many castles or how many cars I had bought. Here she is, this 18 year old girl with an invention that gets the attention of these big shot companies, And they're about to make her rich. I mean, can you even imagine? When I was 18, I could only dream of making it big. But here was Beatrice taking meetings with corporate in her parents' living room. And of course she had stars in her eyes. I picture Beatrice and her family getting dressed up and making sure the house is spotless. They're sitting around waiting for these guys to show up and then they hear the doorbell ring. We opened it. I tell you, you should have seen the look on those men's faces. You thought that they had seen a ghost. They had absolutely no idea that they had been negotiating with a black person. They would have turned and ran if they could have. Every inch of their bodies signaled that that's what they wanted to do. Instead of running away, though, they came in. Then they tried to find every reason under the sun as to why I couldn't sign that contract. All this time, they'd been exchanging letters and phone calls with a woman they assumed was white and probably a little older than Beatrice. The prospect of this new invention didn't matter. The chance to get this product out to market first and get rich didn't matter. All reason went out the door when they saw that Beatrice was black
1: they were not gonna deal with an African-American woman. And so they turned her down flat out.
0: The Pack company might have turned Beatrice down and she must have been disappointed, but she also was not one to give up, ever. This opportunity to manufacture her invention has slipped right through her fingers, but she was determined to get another one of these companies knocking on her door again. Picture yourself in Beatrice's situation. You're just 18, and you've invented a way to make periods less awful with your updated, pain-free sanitary belt. It's good. It works. It'll probably bring in a ton of money. Amazing. Some white guys from a big company are all about working with you until they find out you're black. And then they just back out. So you're hurt, or maybe just angry. But you can't give up because they also know the details of your invention. What's to keep them from using it? You've got to make sure that if they do, you can show up to a court somewhere and say, hey, I thought of that first. They took my idea. That's what a patent is for. If you don't know, a patent is an official document that basically says, hey, everyone, we can confirm that so-and-so invented this thing. It works. And it's never been done before exactly like this. This invention is their intellectual property, so don't try and rip it off or else. Signed, the United States government. A patent is intellectual property, and it works like any other kind of property. Yes,
1: you can sell it, you can license it out, you can bequeath it, you can treat it just like any other real estate, any other personal item of yourself. And you can sell it and negotiate that way. It's an instrument for sale.
0: For people of color in the U.S., getting a patent has been like a loophole to the American dream. Because when you apply for a patent, you don't have to disclose your race. It's one area where your work really can just speak for itself. And Beatrice knew that she needed a patent for her invention before she went into that meeting with the Sanatpat company. She's even talked about the precautionary tale she heard growing up. The light switch on the railroad track, red, amber, and green— My grandfather, Robert, invented that. It was stolen from him. He was demonstrating it for the Railroad Company, and three of the white men who worked for the company patented it before he could raise the money to do so himself. Based on her own accounts, Beatrice did file a patent application for her sanitary belt when she was in high school, before her meeting. But if you look her up in the patent system, that application doesn't exist. It's not totally clear what happened here. Dr. Sluby's theory is that even though Beatrice might have applied for a patent, she may not have actually gotten one. That's because it can take years for the U.S. government to review an application, and maybe Beatrice didn't know how or didn't have the money to keep the application status open.
1: It's costly, you know, to come up with these ideas, because you have to do a prototype to see if it's working, it's workable, Um, It has to be in a format that when you file your patent application, it's not just in your head. You got it written down on paper. And of course, the cost to pursue it was prohibitive. So you have to have some seed money in order to pursue these ideas.
0: Even if you get a patent approved, it costs a lot of money to actually make and sell the product. Without backing from a manufacturer, you might just be out of luck. And that's where Beatrice was when SanNet Pack Company turned her down. Someone else might have given up at this point, but Beatrice was patient. She knew that this industry was only going to get bigger from here, and a company somewhere was going to want her invention again. So she just kept tinkering away at the belt while she saved up enough money to get a patent. She was going to make sure she'd get another chance to get her product in the hands of period-having people everywhere. And next time would be it. Life kept on while Beatrice kept working on her invention. She tried college, Howard, by the way, but that became too expensive too. She needed a job with a capital J. She tried to get into nursing, but in a strange detail, she was half an inch too short to qualify. She worked in the Census Bureau and then the GAO during World War II. She got married and divorced, but as far as we know, nothing really shifted for Beatrice until she and her sister struck out on their own as florists. She was 38 at the time. She also married a man named James Jabo Kenner. Her
1: last husband was a former boxer. His name was Jabo. He was pretty well known in the circles, of boxing circles here in Washington, D.C.
0: The 1950s were good to Beatrice. Her flower shop grew into a small chain, She volunteered regularly in her community, and she and Jabo became foster and adoptive parents. It's kind of like an old-timey version of Family Matters. This kind of comfortable life meant she could risk being a creative again. Beatrice was a wonderkind inventor who found her flourishing in her 40s, because it was at this point in her life that Beatrice was finally able to put together a patent application again. Over 20 years after the first meeting with a major manufacturer, Beatrice could finally afford to realize her inventive dreams. And this time, she was going to do it right. She had someone help her write all the legalese, she paid all the fees, and she followed up on her patent application to make sure it stayed alive. Once all her materials were in the hands of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office in 1954, all Beatrice had to do was wait. She'd have to sit tight while a patent examiner went through her application with a fine-tooth comb to decide whether or not her invention was patent-worthy. And in order to be patent-worthy, her invention had to not just work. It had to also be different from anything else that existed as a product out in the world. And it was. Almost two years after Beatrice submitted her sanitary belt patent application... The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office approved it in 1956 as a new and original invention. Now, that was no small feat. Remember, this is the 1950s, and the world has changed a lot for women. And with more working women having to deal with their periods in the office, there's also a need for better sanitary belts and pads.
1: You just don't stop with one concept in market that is always going to be an improved product on the market.
0: The inventive bar was raised for Beatrice and pad innovators everywhere. But even with all the corporate minds working together on creating the most convenient period products, no one had thought of the same solution as Beatrice. No one had made a sanitary belt that relied on adhesives instead of pins. By this time, we had jet engines, the flu vaccine, and TVs in regular households. But people with periods were still poking themselves just trying to get through the day. Beatrice though, she had come up with a solution to all that. And she didn't stop improving her invention. She filed another related patent in 1957. This was for a moisture proof pocket under the pad to prevent leakage. That one was also approved almost two years later in 1959. Beatrice was unstoppable. She was 47, a wife, foster mother, florist, beloved community member, and now she was also a bona fide inventor. This is what she'd been working towards since she was 18. She wanted to have a patent to hold up and say, this invention is mine. And now with the paperwork in hand, nothing could go wrong, right? More on that after the break. At 47, Beatrice had finally gotten her inventions recorded in the U.S. patent system, and if she was going after companies to manufacture her product back when she was 18, there's no chance she wasn't reaching out to them now. She must have tried to sell her new patented inventions, and these big companies out here selling pads also must have seen what she was up to, because it was part of their job to keep an eye on new patents.
1: Always there's somebody looking at the latest technology that's coming from the patent system.
0: I can't imagine that money-hungry companies would see her patent and ignore it. This was the perfect product for them, familiar enough to consumers that they would buy it, and so convenient on the go that it would no doubt be a bestseller. We don't know why this happened, but it seemed like companies just passed on Beatrice's patents. Once again, Beatrice had gotten so close to selling her idea that she could see the other side. Just not close enough. But then in 1969, while Beatrice still had the rights to the sanitary belt using adhesives, a new pad came on the market. It was called Stay Free. And Stay Free was the first adhesive pad, the kind of pad we see in stores today. The kind of pad that used Beatrice's sticky tab concept. It was just like when Beatrice was 18 all over again. She had done all of this work to prove her concept and get her invention out there. But still, she had nothing to show for it. No money, no credit, and definitely no thank you. I mean, this is just so frustrating. It really hasn't changed for Black women at all. Today we get less than 1% of all private funding. A lot of that is because we can't find investors. In Beatrice's case, it's impossible to say exactly what happened or to draw a straight line between her invention and the stay-free pad. Well, see, they had their
1: own team of developers and scientists. So innovation was just ongoing all the time.
0: And it's true that the pad companies were constantly trying to improve on their own products, but you know, there are some things that still make me wonder. Like Stay Free, for example. You know who owns them, right? It's owned by Johnson & Johnson, who knew about Beatrice and the adhesive technology she created over 30 years before. What a coincidence, huh? That would make a lot of people want to swear off inventing altogether. But that's not Beatrice. Here's what she had to say about herself. Although selling just one invention would bring joy to my heart, I invent because it's my talent.
1: It just was a wonderful to see her thinking, you know, you can almost see the brain cells working in her brain, you know, connecting and coming up with these ideas. She's thinking all the time. And, and I think that was very rewarding for her.
0: Even after her journey of inventing and patenting her sanitary belt and moisture-proof pad pocket, Beatrice went on to patent three other inventions. Beatrice invented a carrier attachment for walkers in 1976, probably inspired by her sister Mildred's MS diagnosis. A few years later, in 1982, she patented a toilet paper holder, and in 1987, she patented a wall-mounted back washer. I might have said that her legacy was the adhesive method for the sanitary belt, but that's not how Beatrice saw it.
1: She was just proud of all of them that she succeeded uh, the fact that she got those patents was remarkable, as a woman, a Black woman.
0: Throughout her lifetime, Beatrice thought of over 100 ideas, drew up over 30 designs, and patented five inventions, more than any other Black woman of her time.
1: She was one of the few women, and at, at that time, she having five patents, that was remarkable. That was remarkable.
0: Even though she didn't start to get public recognition for her work until after she died, Beatrice had the proof of her contributions. She believed in herself enough to document her life's work through patents. And she was so insistent on not being erased from history that she even wrote an autobiography.
1: It was extensive. And uh, she wanted me to get it published. Right now, I regret giving it back. I had it for years and years. And I tried to do something with it, and finally my husband said, well, we can't seem to make any progress, you know, return it to her.
0: We don't know where the manuscript of her autobiography is now, but we hope it'll be found, because we'd love to hear Beatrice's story in her own words. We do know that she never made any money on her inventions, but Beatrice didn't invent for the fortune or the fame, even though she deserved both. She invented because it was the thing that brought her joy. Can you
1: imagine starting off as a six year old child and coming up with an idea? And as you mature and age up to 90 some years old, you're still being creative and thinking of new ideas. And the last one she told me about, she said, Pat, I have an idea to fix the potholes in Washington, D.C. I said, Oh, really? But she didn't care. She just had that idea, and she was going to file an application for it.
0: Beatrice Kenner was inventing right up until she passed away on January 13, 2006, in Washington, D.C. She might not have made any money from her invention or gotten the recognition from it being produced, But that doesn't change the fact that her patents exist and there's a record of it. She had an unbreakable spirit and the foresight to know that her inventions were important. We might never know for sure if her work was stolen, but we do know that she was the first to patent period products that stick on. Products that came just a decade before the pads millions of menstruating people use now. We want to hear from you about the next history we should correct. Know a good story? Share with us at theydidthat at sonymusic.com. Next time on They Did That. Everybody was a little scared. Doing something like this means you're going to probably get beaten up for by the police because you're attacking an institution and you're doing something that has never been done before. They Did That is presented by me, Takara Small. This episode was written and produced by Ava Ahmed Our associate producers are Camilla Kashani, India Whitkin, and Serena Chow. This episode was edited by Tiara Darnell and Lizzie Jacobs. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. Engineering and sound design by Rick Kwan. Our production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And our original theme song is by Cedric Wilson.